Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church. We are talking about dignity and worth. One of the most important overall topics that you can ever discuss. As a matter of fact, until a person is established in a biblically based sense of dignity and worth, we will never fulfill our destiny. We may touch on it every now and then, and we'll never actually even let the gifts of the Holy Spirit work through us. We'll limit God to our sense of dignity and worth. Now today, we're going to talk about crowned with dignity and worth, but don't misunderstand this because actually we're going to get into the whole concept of the authority of the believer. But see, the problem is we've tried to understand the authority of the believer independent of understanding dignity and worth and how that plays in it. Well, I'll tell you something. Today, you want to take notes. You'll probably want to listen to this several times because this is going to change how you operate your authority in this world. I'll be back in just a minute. You know, I've got a great free message for you this month called Seeing Yourself as God Sees You. There are few things that will transform your life as much as coming to understand and believe how God really sees and feels about you. Be sure and download this. It's a life changer. You know, one of the most important doctrines or teachings or truths that we need to understand and embrace is the authority of the believer. But the honest truth, even though it is one of the most important doctrines, it is probably one of the most misunderstood doctrines. And in fact, the reality of it is, is not just the authority of the believer. We just need to understand the authority that God has given mankind. Now, as believers, using our authority changes because of who we are in Jesus, because of our sense of identity. But the real truth is we don't get more authority after we get saved. But if we recognize who we are in Jesus, if we take on our identity in Christ, what happens is we change in our confidence of operating authority. Now, like I say, authority is one of the most important but misunderstood doctrines that there is. Most of what's been taught about authority has actually either been a misunderstanding or really an attempt to twist the meaning of authority so that people that have titles and positions can end up really ruling over other people or controlling other people. And so we want to understand that's not at all what Jesus talked about and we'll see. As a matter of fact, most of what has been taught about authority has in fact, really been the use of force. And I want to tell you something. One of the very first laws of the kingdom is you cannot use force. You know, when Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 11, and we all are familiar with this, where he says, you know, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And if you're like me, you came from a background where they said, that's what you've got to do. You've got to aggressively and violently take the kingdom of God. Well, no, that's absolutely not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was actually, if you'll read all of Matthew chapter 11, where he says that, he's saying that the kingdom of God's always suffered violence because violent people try to 
take it by force. Now, that's the whole problem, is violent-natured people think that force and authority are, in fact, the same thing. But if you follow Jesus' teaching, he goes all the way down to the end of that, and he says, but if you'll take my yoke. Remember, the yoke is not just the metaphorical concept of taking on a yoke and walking with Jesus. It's about accepting his interpretation of God's word and his application of God's word. And so basically he's saying, if you will take on my philosophy of truth, you will find rest for your souls and you'll find that this is easy and light as opposed to being forceful and trying to make things happen. You know, that's a concept that is just so far beyond where most people want to think. But listen, let's just talk about some of the misunderstandings that we have about authority so that as we get into this, you know, sometimes you have to understand what I might incorrectly believe about something so that I can begin to establish some more scriptural beliefs. First of all, I want you to understand something. Authority does not mean that we have authority over anyone else. It's very important you understand that. Nowhere in the biblical concepts of authority does it ever tell us that we have the right to rule over anybody else. As a matter of fact, in the book of Mark, I believe it was Mark the 10th chapter, Mark 10, 42, Jesus you know, was talking to the guys and, and they started having this struggle over who was going to rule and reign over the other apostles. I think it was uh, James and John that wanted to be seated on the left and the right hands of Jesus. Now listen, this, this is what Jesus said about authority. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. Now listen, you can't get any straighter than that. Jesus said you cannot rule over anybody and you cannot exercise authority over anybody. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor, if you're the elder, if you're the apostle, if you're the prophet. It doesn't matter who you are. You can't force authority. Some people say, well, what about in raising kids? Well, I want to tell you something. Authority, as you're going to learn, is not something that you exert. And this is one of our misunderstandings. We think authority is a force that we exert. But authority is, in fact, something that merges or emerges out of our sense of dignity and worth, out of our sense of our identity. So Jesus says, you can't do it this way. You say, well, well, what do I do as a leader? Well, I'll tell you what you do as a leader. You speak the Word of God. If you speak the truth... Every individual listening to you has to decide if they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and to His authority from His Word. And it's their decision. It's between them and God. But you absolutely cannot make it happen. Matter of fact, Jesus went on and said, look, He said, if you want to be great, then what you need to do is you need to be the servant of all. And He said, even the Son of Man did not come to rule over people. He came to serve. So we don't have authority over other people. I'll tell you what we do have authority over. We have authority over ourselves, <laughs> and we have authority over what affects us. And you're going to understand more about this as we move on talking about this subject. So authority, like I said, it is not something that we have over another person. And authority is not something that we exert, that we force out of. Have you ever seen or tried yourself to pray with authority or minister with authority? You make your voice more forceful. You know, you grunt, you strain. But, you know, none of that has anything to do with whether or not you are walking in authority. So we've twisted the doctrines 
and the definitions of the words submission and authority to such a degree that by and large, most of what we think of, even when we think of authority, gets down to one person submitting to another person. Let me tell you something. First of all, the word submit does not mean obey. So all of you dominating men that are telling your wives that they have to obey you, you might want to rethink that. You might want to consider what the Bible actually says about that instead of how you really want it to be. And you know, I'll just say this, since we're on the subject, really in the Greek New Testament, in Ephesians, it doesn't tell the wife to submit to the husband. It tells both of them to submit to one another. So submission is obedience, and how in the world can both people obey each other? Well, it's not. Submission is a yielding attitude, a flexible attitude, an attitude that is open. And the real truth is submission has nothing to do with the other person's authority. It has to do with a yielding attitude toward people that we love, toward people that we respect, that we're going to listen to them. You know, we're going to walk in love, give them the benefit of the doubt, and those kinds of things. But secondly, again, the word authority, all it really means is right, the right to do something. So there is no position, there is no title, there is no ministry that gives you the right to do in people's lives what Jesus himself did not have the right to do. You say, no, well, Jesus could have done anything. God can do anything, anything he wants to. No, he can't. You see, God created us in his likeness and image. And because we are like God, we have the capacity to make choices. And since we are creating the likeness of God, no one has the right, not even God himself, to force his view and his opinion upon us. Just like no husband has the right to force his view, his opinion, his rules on his wife. No pastor has the right to force anything on their congregation. We should be serving people, walking in love, bringing the truth to them, and letting them make their own choices. And then you say, well, what if they make a choice I don't like? Then you got to deal with you. You've got to deal with the one thing that you actually do have authority over. So I want you to understand something. One of the greatest misconceptions about authority is this, is that when man fell, he gave his authority and planted earth to the devil. I want you to know that's nowhere in the Bible. There is no scripture that proves that. As a matter of fact, there is scripture and thousands of years of history that actually totally disprove that. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the authority that Jesus has and what that has to do with us. And then we're going to get into what authority has to do with dignity and worth. Listen, I'll be right back. Listen, if you're tired of feeling bad about yourself, if you're tired of not liking who you are, and you're tired of the way that's affecting your relationships and your walk with God, then you want to get my series, Dignity and Worth, a 10-CD series with two bonus CDs, which means you're going to get 12 CDs. Two of them are going to be a free gift to you because I want to invest in you. And I want to tell you, this is going to give you the tools you need to walk through a life transformation and change your sense of dignity and worth. You know, when Jesus was raised from the dead and he explained to his disciples in Matthew 28, he says, all authority is given to me. Therefore, in light of that, you need to go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I want you to understand, one of the concepts of the gospel of the kingdom gets into the whole concept of Jesus being the ultimate authority in planet Earth. 
Now, keep in mind, Jesus said many times when he was here on planet Earth, he said that the reason he had authority was because he was the Son of Man, not because he was the Son of God. You see, if Jesus had not become a man, it would have been illegal for him to exercise authority on planet Earth since God gave authority to mankind. Now, I'll tell you something, that just boggles people's minds. It shouldn't because it's simple, straightforward. God gave authority to man. That means that even God himself does not independently do things in planet Earth. Everything that he wants done, he has to do through people. Same way with the devil. The devil has no authority on planet Earth. Everything he wants done, he has to do through people. And the difference between the people who yield to God and the people who follow Lucifer's corrupt doctrines is really their trust for God and their sense of dignity and worth, their sense of feeling qualified and worthy of what God has given them. Now, one of the greatest misconceptions of authority and it's a Luciferian lie. This came straight out of Luciferian ideals to undermine man was that when man fell, he gave away his authority. No, he didn't. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. But I'll tell you what did happen. When man fell, he began to use his authority in a corrupt way. When man had a sin nature, was not connected to God, was not alive to God, did not see himself as God had created him anymore, then he misused his authority. And everything that's going wrong in the world today is going wrong because of corrupt people using their authority to do corrupt things and because of godly people not understanding or knowing how to use their own authority to make godly things happen. But I want you to understand something. You can't give your authority to the devil. Now, what you can give your loyalty to things that are untrue. You can give your loyalty to the devil. You can serve him. You can serve the lies that are inconsistent with the Word of God and therefore use your authority in corrupt ways to accomplish his goals. But you can't give your authority to him to exercise in your behalf. It just does not absolutely work that way. So then we bring that whole concept forward, and then there's this church doctrine that says that when you sin, you give your authority to the devil, and so then he has the right to come in and attack you. Well, you know, my question is, where is that in the Bible? The devil never has the right to attack you under the new covenant. Now, remember, all authority belongs to Jesus, which means the only thing that can legally be done, the only thing that has the right to happen in this life is for the kingdom of God to be established and for you to live free from the curses and enjoying all of the blessings, all the promises of God. Now, you have to use your authority to participate in that because you still have to make choices. So keep in mind, binding and loosing, which is something people made about fighting the devil, it has nothing to do with the devil. It has to do with the keys of the kingdom. It has to do with how we lock the door to the curses and how we unlock the door to the blessings. And it all comes down to binding or declaring illegal, shutting the door on any of the curses. It doesn't matter if it's physical pain, emotional pain, if it's sorrow, if it's heartache, if it's loneliness, if it's fear. It doesn't matter what it is. If it is a curse, it doesn't have the right to be there. And if that has been established in heaven based on the finished work of Jesus, then you have to say, no, I will not have you in my life. 
And you've got to make those choices and you've got to use your authority. And likewise, any promise that God has ever made to anyone, 2 Corinthians 1.20, you have to say, Jesus took care of this. Jesus purchased this promise for me, and it's mine. And so I say, yes, it is legal and right for you to be in my life. And if we don't do that, then what we end up doing is we end up praying for God to do something that he does not have the authority to do. He doesn't have the authority here on planet Earth to do in your life what Jesus has already taken care of. Only you have that authority. Now, authority is not something we receive from God independent of our identity. In other words, it's not like a gift that he wraps up and gives to us and hands to us and says, here, use this. Everybody has authority. They just use it for good or evil. They use it for godly things or for destructive things. Now, like I said, since we were created in the likeness and the image of God, no one can make our decisions for us. And even though we may give in to the wrong things through doubt and fear and unbelief, we're still making the decisions. Now, Psalm 8, starting in verse 3, which is quoted later on in the book of, uh, of Hebrews, the psalmist is saying, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, I have this question, verse 4. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? See, this is a legitimate question. And listen, man, you know, when I first got saved, I got a job working the night shift so I could go to college in the daytime. And at night, I'd get all of my work done, and it was a union job, so you weren't allowed to do too much work. Matter of fact, if you did too much work, they would fire you. So they gave me a list to do and just basically said, when you finish this, disappear. Well, I did. It was on a military base. I would go out into the woods and I would read my Bible and pray and study. But I used to get out there and, and there were no city lights around. Man, I would look up at the heavens and see these millions of stars. And I would just be overwhelmed that in light of this magnificent creation, God was interested in me. This is the great question of man. Who are we to God? And if you answer that question wrong, if you think you're a servant, if you think you're a slave, if you think you're a pawn that's being used on some big spiritual chess game, if you don't see yourself as a child of God, created in His likeness and image, family, an heir, all that He has belongs to you, if you don't see yourself that way, and also if you don't see yourself as somebody who has authority, then the real truth is you will never connect with what you have as a child of God. Verse 5, when he begins or continues with this question, he says, for you have made him a little lower than the angels. That word angels in the Hebrew is the word Elohim. And the word Elohim is the word that's used for the Godhead, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. So he's not saying that we're made a little lower than the angels. He's saying, we're made a little lower than God himself. Let me tell you something. The angels have never had a superior position to us. The angels have never, ever, ever had authority or dominion over us. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews tells us that the angels are just, they're just ministers or servants to the heirs of righteousness. So the devil, no angel of any kind has ever, ever, ever had authority. But this is, he goes on and says this. He says, so you created man just a little lower than the Godhead himself. Now listen to this. 
and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, these words, glory and honor, they are, golly, they're in such inclusive words that it takes pages to explain what they can mean or what they can infer. But among the concepts of glory and honor are the words dignity and worth. God created man and how did he crown him with glory and honor? Was it something separate from his creation? No. The fact that we were created in the likeness and the image of God, we came into existence. We opened our eyes and we immediately, the first man knew that God was his father, knew that he was an heir of God, knew that he was intimately connected with God and felt right about himself, felt good about himself. Now, verse 6 then steps into this whole thing about authority. So he crowns him with glory and honor. And here's what happens. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you put all things under his feet. In other words, the whole concept of authority, the whole concept of dominion cannot be understood independent of being crowned with glory and honor. So you see, you can't force authority. You can't make authority work if the way you feel about yourself makes you feel less than other people, less than the devil. Remember, that's what sin is. Sin is not just what you do wrong. Sin is missing or falling short of the glory of God. What's the glory of God? The word glory means the view, the opinion, the realities of God. When we fall less than the glory of God, when we don't see ourselves as a new creation, as a child of God, as hid in Christ, as raised up in righteousness, as eternal beings, if we don't see ourselves the way that God actually has created us, then the truth is we can't force authority. We can't make it happen. But I'm going to tell you what we can do. When we see ourselves as we are, we understand our kingdom rights. And see, this is why the message of authority has to be incorporated into the message of the kingdom. And until the message of the kingdom, which has never been preached to the ends of the earth, until it's preached to the ends of the earth, Jesus can't come back. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we have to have this message of the kingdom preached to the ends of the earth is so that we can corporately call Jesus back. We can corporately pray for and believe and speak his second return instead of just sitting around wondering when he's going to come back and hoping it's not going to be too bad. But I'll tell you something else. When we know who we are and we know what our rights are, then when sickness comes, we know we should not accept it. We know we should exercise our authority to lock that door to sickness, open the door to health and healing, which is already ours. We know that when poverty comes, we lock that door to lack. We open that door to blessings and prosperity. And then in all those situations, then we follow how the Holy Spirit leads us. In other words, we're never doing this stuff totally independent of Jesus. We're doing this stuff based on who we are, the authority that we have, and then always being open to follow the Holy Spirit and how he leads us to walk it out. But you got to establish your heart in dignity and worth by knowing who you are in Jesus. And when you've done that, you will find yourself inherently, naturally walking in authority. Don't go away. I'll be right back with the mentoring moment. 
You know, if this is speaking to your heart, man, if you're getting stirred up to feel better about yourself right now, go online and you can download this series, Dignity and Worth, and you can begin making your transformation today. Don't wait another minute. You know, November and December are always interesting months for so many people because people are facing all kinds of challenges, financial challenges and emotional challenges and relational challenges. And listen, I don't know about you, but for me, the holidays most of my life was an absolute torment. I struggle with depression and I would start getting depressed about the end of October and I would stay depressed all the way through sometimes to the spring because holidays were so miserable. Listen, I want you to be sure and get our mobile app so you'll have easy access to this, but you, you can get this on our website. I have a free gift that I want to give you in November and December about creating happy holidays. And it's a free gift that is going to share with you some things about how you can create traditions that mean something to you and your family and how you can free yourself from any of the struggles that you have from the past. You know, the more you have a sense of dignity and worth, the more things being wrong in your life become unacceptable to you. You notice that the more you have the sense of who you are in Jesus, and this is something that really comes, if you want to know the truth, from a, a life of prayer and meditation in the Word of God. You don't create a sense of dignity and worth just because you know the information or know that it's true. This is where you connect to God and you experience Him and you experience His love. But see, the more you have this sense of who you know that you really are, the less you have the willingness to accept into your life these things that are unacceptable that Jesus has already resolved through His death, burial, and resurrection. Now, the key to operating your authority in real life, number one, you've got to work on establishing your identity, work on establishing and getting in touch with who you really are. But then number two, immediately when something occurs in your life that has no right like I say, it doesn't matter if it's a pain. It doesn't matter if it's a fear of something happening to somebody in your family, a thought running through your mind. It doesn't matter if it's stress. It doesn't really matter what it is. If it is not a blessing, if it's not a promise of God, then it has no right in your life. And you have to just use your authority and say, no, I don't accept you. I don't want you. I don't receive you. I tell you right now, you have to go. You have absolutely no choice. And then always in bind and loosen, you know, it's not enough to shut the door to what's wrong. Then you have to use your authority to put on what God promised you. And that's where you say, I choose in the name of Jesus. I say I am blessed. I say that I am healed. I say that, that I am pain free. I thank you, Father, that this is mine. And then, you know, you may have to connect with Jesus. You may have to meditate and, and go back and visit the cross. But the point is, when you recognize that it's not a blessing from God, you can stop it and change it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.